Today's episode is brought to you by FRW Studios, a damn fine design studio as fresh and authentic as the beer you brew. FRW Studios has created killer can designs for dozens of brewers we love, including the Lost Abbey, the Hop Concept, Port Brewing, and so many other craft favorites. Creative director Julie White has happened to design the 15th anniversary Stone Brewings book, as well as over 20 books for the Brewers Association. In fact, the Brewers Association says Julie is authentic, creative, reliable, and hands down one of the best graphic designers they've worked with. So send them your brand and they'll send you back an original design that fits it or takes it to the next level, if that's what you're into. Hop on over to unitedwedrink.com slash FRW Studios to see what the buzz is about. And while you're at it, download FRW's Crash Course in Branding for tips and tricks of the trade. Everyone who downloads the PDF will automatically qualify for a chance to win a custom design for your next project. Now that's something to drink about. You make the beer taste good. FRW Studios makes it look good. The opinions and statements in this podcast do not represent those of the hosts, employers, co-workers, family, or imaginary friends. Now enjoy the show. Happy hour, more like amateur hour. Welcome to United We Drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast that three and five beer industry folks would describe as they're all right. Welcome to United We Drink right here on unitedwedrink.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever fine podcasts are found. My name is Mikey Revich, and I might be called an instigator to the max by a certain co-host, and that co-host is the only co-host that I have today. And he'll probably storm off in a few minutes. Here's Joel Codner. That shit you pulled last night, it was like throwing a, a big fat raw steak in, the, in between two rabid pit bulls. People uh, have no I, idea what we're talking about. But no. Mike, basically, Mike basically goes, hey, you like Billie Eilish. And you, on the other side, you hate her, argue. And <laughs> arguing ensued. It led to a very good conversation. I know that means nothing to our listeners here now, but uh, just so you know, if you ever want to debate Joel on Billie Eilish, uh, he feels very strongly in one direction. Oh, God. Uh, Phil is on vacation. He's uh, he's visiting, I hear, Seltzer, Pennsylvania. Uh, here, he's never leaving there. He's on assignment. Yes. Getting as much Seltzer news as possible. Uh, thanks, everyone Hello. who has continued to listen and uh, tunes in each and every week. Joel, what are you drinking? Well, in Phil's absence, I figured I would drink some seltzer, but it's uh, flaccid seltzer. I have some lime, bubbly, sparkling water. Oh, that's nice. Maybe you had a little bit too much wine last night? A bit much. And uh, in fact, so much that I realized later on this morning that I'd never really known what red wine vomit looked like it was always beer ah see you learn new things yeah it's harder uh, to clean up too i i imagine so you have to bust out the 
the big time like scrubbing bubbles, right? OxyClean. Shout out to Billy Mays. Rest in peace. <laughs> well, I'm having Hardywood Park uh, bourbon barrel aged gingerbread stout because, you know, on a Sunday, that sounds like a good idea. We are doing a little change up in uh, what we were going to talk about. Uh, we had originally said that this episode was going to be about distribution, but Phil uh, told us somewhat last minute that he was not going to be available to record. So we wanted to switch that up because distribution is a big part of Phil's wheelhouse. So uh, we will move that to the next main episode. We're going to talk about own premise, tap rooms, uh, tasting rooms, brew pubs, and stuff like that in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk about some news, and Joel's going to play the role of Phil for the news. Yes, uh, Phil does have some very big shoes to fill, literally and figuratively, but I will do my best, guys. So, uh, and in a strange short of, sort of shout-out to Phil, uh, 20 num- 2019 numbers are in for Canarchy, the Craft Brewery Collective, and they are pretty dang impressive. Uh, it is it is made up of seven different brands and grew 60,000 barrels over the year, taking the company from 420,000 in 2018 to 480,000 in 2019. A 14% jump in production. Their portfolio grew 22% over the year in IRI scan data. And if you add in their seltzer business, Phil, the, <laughs> the business uh, trend jumped to 29%. So, Mike, huge numbers, huh? Yeah, definitely. And uh, like when you look at some of the individual uh, brewery brands like CCB, uh, Cigar City and Squatters both grew 36 percent over the year. I mean, I know I've I've been seeing like Cigar City opening up new uh, distro areas uh, throughout the country over the last year. And Hylai has just been taken off uh, all over the place. Um, it, you, you, I, and Phil, we have our, our little Slack channel that we communicate. And I sent a picture the other day uh, that uh, Hylai 12 packs were on sale at, at our local Publix grocery stores for uh, $17.99 for a 12 pack. And like, that's a damn good deal when you consider like they, they sell it right next to the six packs that are like $11.99. That, uh, that deal was uh, quite a nice one, and and speaking of highlight, it is now the number one craft brand in Florida. Yeah, I and mean, that's just amazingly huge. I mean, I know we're going to sound like old farts, just you know, reminiscing, but you know, we I, I remember us doing episodes of this years ago when we were like, oh shit, this is the, the first can I ever got of this, or or um, bottles new, for the new first bottle time. labels, yeah. Yeah, that, like that that beer has a very important part to I think all three of our uh, our lives. I mean, Phil's is probably a little more personal, having uh, worked for the company in different in a few different fashions over the years. But I mean, you and I have been big fans of that beer, and I think uh, safe to say, continue to be big fans. It's just crazy to me to see Highline in so many places nowadays, and. Uh, I mean, I'm always happy to to grab a pint or a can uh, wherever I'm at. And I think just a huge beer for Florida overall. I think if you were to look at one of those graphics people do every now and then of like what beer represents your state, that it's highlight all day on the Florida map. Oh, for sure. Uh, I I would say no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I'm sure there'd be people out there who would want to debate, but I mean, it is now, I guess, the number one selling 
uh, craft brand in uh, in Florida. So, I mean, that's uh, some some important statistics right there. And I also remember when Cigar City alone was at sixty thousand, and to grow sixty thousand overall throughout the entire group within a year. I mean, that's crazy. On another positive note, Mike, you had brought up some beer marketing awards. Yeah, so uh, the first ever craft beer marketing awards are going down in 2020 this year. Um, if you go to craftbeermarketingawards.com, that is the page for them. Um, there is still time to uh, enter into uh, a category if you uh, wish to. This is being put together by a lot of different people all over the industry with uh, with regards to design, marketing. Uh, you have a panel of judges um, are practically a who's who in marketing and designs. There's some big, like Ralph Stedman, the Ralph Stedman is one of the judges on the, the panels for this. Zane Lamprey uh, from oh, television uh, is on this. Uh, Harry Schumacher, tons of people um, that are, are, are super important, I think, to the industry of beer and to uh, marketing and design. There's over or there are 33 different categories that you can enter in, including like label design, can design, video production, overall social media, lots of cool stuff. And as being a person who has been a big uh, supporter of of designers inside of this industry, I think that this is an awesome thing and this is an awesome way to give some recognition to great designers, great marketers, great photographers, videographers, uh, at, like uh, creative directors, so on and so forth, because like there are some great brands out there who do fantastic job. Uh, like I, I, for some reason, like I feel like if this keeps on going, like you might as well call like the social media award, the like the Allagash uh, social media, best social media award. I, I know oh, I've yeah. talked about them as being one of the best in the biz before you, I think, agree with that uh, sentiment. But I, I think Absolutely. that this is a really awesome thing. To be able to recognize a, maybe an an unsung uh, group of people in the beer industry. The website is not loading very well for me right now, but I'm seeing some of it. It looks awesome. I, I'm just trying to find out, has this been going on for years? This is first ever. Oh, okay, yeah. great. Yeah, see, I love that. And I think it's already in a brewery's best interest to have great marketing, great photography, great labels, all of that stuff. I mean, that's a given. We all know that. Well, if you look at some breweries, maybe they don't know that. But um, I think this is cool to have an award to strive for and display and be proud of. And because it, the beer is not just the only creative aspect of the business. And I know, Mike, you're very big on design and branding and marketing and, and have always done a great job with that for various breweries, uh, including my own. And uh, I hope you, uh, you pick up one of these one day. Uh, I, 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 I do not should. think that I'm nearly as close to being as good <laughs> as a lot of uh, people out there. To be to receive some praise like that, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Um, I'm also seeing here on the the judges panel, friend of the show Lance White from uh, sponsor of the show FRW Studios. He's on the judges panel. Shout out I to Lance. I was just about to ask if Lance was involved. Yeah, that's great. And uh, 
honestly, you, you know, the way, the way my mind works, I kind of want to do a parody of this, sort of like the Razzies. You know what I mean? Like how many... Of the worst uh, designs and well, uh, not not necessarily the worst because you know we don't want to shit on breweries, but you know th- there are just certain brands where it's like, you know, I think I think Russian River is the only one that can get a pass for using Comic Sans, um, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, you know, I there are some out there with papyrus for Christ's sake, and it's on all of their branding. It's. Um, you know, uh, the best IP thief, uh, 2021, you know, whatever, <laughs> there could be tons of stuff. The like awards that. could I, be sponsored by worst beer blog. <laughs> he could host Yeah, him and don't drink beer. Like I said, this, this really makes me excited, um, to be able to see people who put a lot of work into creating a brand and, possibly get getting some recognition for that and i i think that that's super important uh from what i see here on their website uh deadline uh, uh standard entry deadline is january 31st so that is quickly coming up uh judging deadline march 20th and the winners are going to be announced on 420 uh smoke them if you got them <laughs> there are so many times when i want to tweet a link to Bill Hicks doing his marketing bit where he basically says, if you're in marketing, kill yourself, you're evil. And then I realize how many actual brewery marketing people who I love follow me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. For them. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that this is really, really awesome. And uh, I encourage anyone who is super proud of their branding, their uh, their can designs, their label designs, tap uh, tap handles, uh, packaging, um, website. Like if you're proud of something in your marketing field, go to craftbeermarketingawards.com and put your name in the hat and and see what some of like the best names in design and marketing, not just in the beer industry, but in design and marketing in general uh think and uh i think that if you win something like this that is a a major thing to hang your hat on indeed and good luck to all of the entries or entrants rather uh all right well let's talk about florida we've got some bills proposed in the house and senate correct about possible self-distribution finally Yes. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Tony Glover from Glover Law, uh, follower of the show, friend of the show. Uh, he tweeted out uh, about a week or two ago about uh, the House Bill 1153 and the companion bill in the Florida Senate, uh, SB 1584, that are to create uh, the allowance for self-distribution in the state of Florida for brewers um, with a, some exceptions on there being that if you are currently distrib- uh, distributed, like you have a contract with a distributor, uh, you are exempt. You can't self-distribute in those territories. And also, if you produce more than 60,000 barrels, you would not qualify uh, for this as well. Um, that obviously, I mean, first of all, I think that this is more than fair. The, the problem that people have always said in Florida is, well, if we open up self-distribution, then people like Budweiser and Miller can just go and start their own distribution companies and destroy distributors. 
well, I like these caveats that if you're currently distributed, you don't qualify. And if you make more than 60,000 barrels, you don't qualify. Boom, right there. That takes care of all of them. This is geared towards the smallest of the small and giving them the ability to control their own growth and not have to sign away their, their lives in a franchise law state to a distributor who will probably not give a fuck about them. No, you're exactly right. And I think it's not only more than fair, as you said, but long overdue. Uh, I could have used this. I mean, not that it has passed by any means yet, but I could have used this maybe nine months ago when we were looking to start getting into distribution. Very limitedly, one brand right in our own backyard. We weren't going to go crazy with it. And it's like a lot of the little guys are just too unprofessional or too i don't i don't even know how to say it without sounding terrible but had a lot of bad experiences you know trying to work with small distributors that were hyper local and and very uh you know not hoarding brands or anything like that and then you're you know in my case i'm too small for the big guys so i was kind of just left stuck with nothing to do and we just put it on hold for a while and if if this passes this is our gateway to actually get some of our beer out there. This is a huge game changer for a lot of breweries. I mean, uh, I I think the the small guys out there they're at a huge disadvantage because of like all those things that you you said, and because no big distributor is going to want to take them on to want to distribute to maybe twelve spots in your own home market, uh, where. Yeah, those small guys might not have the best reputation with some of those accounts. They just might be bad at communication. And if you can just have a person going around to a dozen accounts, whether it be you or an owner or a a manager or even a bartender that you think is a good people person and can double up as a salesperson, like that, that's the type of stuff that can really help keep a, a small brewery afloat for, or, or just give them the growth that they want to have. Yeah. And for us personally, it was more about not trying to get out and distribute and compete with anybody else. And in, in the normal sense, it was more about just getting in our own backyard, letting people know we're out there. You know, we had tap handles made, we've still got them and just saying, Hey, this is our, the one beer we're putting out there. It won a you know a pretty big deal award in the state, and you know we're just we're on tap a few blocks away or within a few miles, and 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 come see us. It's it it's not about trying to compete with any big brands locally or take handles or any of that horse shit. Yeah, and I know from from my time being there, like there was some demand for the beer, and it's not a lot, but there we had some like rather decent sized places come in and go, how can I get your beer on at our, our spot? And it's like, well, we, we don't distribute. Um, so we can't right now. Um, and even if it's just to supply like five people who really want your beer, that's five, that's five bars of sales that you have. That's more than anything else. Uh, Like to be able to just like one day a week, be able to go, Boom, 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 boom. You, all five of you have your, have your beer. Sweet. I, I like, 
I, I, I've never understood so many of the bigger distributors aversion to not wanting people to do that. It, like, and when you bring up, like, I think we talked about this when we talked about Texas, how they finally allowed uh, breweries to sell beer to go. Like you, you saw people who were proud that they were the last state to, to do it. Cause they're like, we are, we're holding on to, our beliefs and our core values and not changing just because the rest of the country is like, that's such a dumb thing to be like, we refuse to change because it's been this way forever. Yeah. And they just want more for themselves and less for everybody else. And that's the fucking game they play. But, you know, there was one, you know, pretty prominent restaurant that wanted our beer. And then there was one sort of major, uh, I don't know, tourist attraction i don't mean like disney world or anything like that but just uh you know a place that a lot of people go to and just to have one beer on would have been amazing and to do it ourselves totally manageable you know they're just we're not looking to grow with like infrastructure we're not going to be adding another giant walk-in we're not doing any of that bullshit we just want to get a little bit of beer out there and it it's not easy at our size yeah so hopefully i i this is a big push, I know, by the Guild uh, to get this done this year. And hopefully breweries can find the support in uh, the House and the Senate to uh, get this taken care of. Maybe some uh, dog ears are put on to things um, and we'll see how that all goes. Get it done. So uh, as kind of segueing from that, our main topic, we're going to talk about own premise, um, something uh, the opposite of distribution and tap rooms and tasting rooms and different types of pop-up locations, things that where the brewery gets to sell their product directly to the consumer is pretty much the opposite of distribution, which was going to be the main topic for uh, this evening. But this is something that Joel knows a hell of a lot about from being a non-distributing brew pub. This is something that I'm super passionate about because I like, I just, I, I see from a business standpoint about how much you, you make more money as a business from selling on your own premise. And I, I think you can get really creative about your own premise. And let me just open it up uh, with you, Joel, like, how important is uh, creating a great location for people to come in and try your beer? And, uh, and also, how important is it to the business? I love working in an own-premise brew pub. I think it's been the best experience of my career so far. I love that, you know, even though we were just talking about distribution and how I'd like to get at least a little bit of beer out there, I still love the fact that I can keep it all in-house control the quality, you know, start to finish. I I will never hear about a bad keg or something not pouring right from someone 20 miles away. And I love the intimate experience of seeing the regulars every single day. You know, yes, all tap rooms have their regulars, whether they're distributing or not. But um, I, I like being our area's first little downtown brew pub. I love hearing about how people like the food and the beer and the wine. Um, it's, it's just such a great experience because, you know, like you have a real tangible, 
sort of reward for your work when you, when you when you're right there and you can see everybody enjoying it and bringing new people and hosting i mean we had two huge events this weekend in the span of like eight hours of total service we had two different buyouts with like probably upwards of 250 to 260 people and, and it's becoming kind of an event space everyone is looking to host parties we're like booked nine months out in, in some uh, you know nights and, and weekends so it, it's been crazy and i just love the experience personally i, I love going to other you know places like that um i i just I, I think it's great, and, and I, I want to see more of it, and I love that it's a trend, and I want to see it you know, continue, and I, as long as we keep doing what we're doing, I'd, I'd love to be at this place for the next 20 years. You know, uh, talking about the, the buyouts and the event space, like uh, I think it was earlier this week, or it might have been late last week, um, my, my work, we have our own Slack channel, uh, with the employees and the uh, the tap room channel uh, sent out like a, a schedule for like all these different things happening this weekend. And we didn't have our own like specific event. There was like a, a brew bus coming through on Friday with a private tour, a brew bus coming through on Saturday with a private tour. Um, we had a birthday party, uh, an engagement party, um, like it's, there, there had to be like eight to 10 different like private things and they're not buying out the entire place, but these are like people who contacted the brewery and were like, Hey, we want to do this thing in, in the brewery. And, and like, I, I'd also be remiss if I, if I didn't uh, bring up that, like I, I'm in the process of planning a wedding and uh, like my, my fiance and I had thought about like are there any breweries around where we could just have like our 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 ceremony and our reception there like we actually think about those types of things when when considering our own events the the regulars are are insanely like important to keeping the lights on and it, it's kind of funny how where i'm working now that we have a lot of uh old regulars or same regulars to brewery that we used to work uh for so there's a lot of familiar faces and people who are like who i've been seeing for the past uh, close to eight years and uh, some of them are like oh you work here now like that's so cool or because they've been like i thought you moved to pa i haven't seen you in so so long blah 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 and it's, it's kind of cool to like catch up with them after a shift maybe have a beer and talk with them. Some of them who I've obviously I've seen there uh, way more times than uh, I I feel sometimes is socially uh, possible. Uh, you know, I I texted you. I think it was last week. I'm like, do you ever get upset thinking about like the 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 regulars who come in practically every day, meeting up with the same regulars and bullshitting with one another, having a beer with one another, having a good time, like. I mean it as just a social thing. Like, I think it would be so cool to get together with you and Phil and maybe some of our other friends. Like, a few times a week, that our paths just so happen to cross that we can go and have happy hour somewhere a few times a week for an hour, and then just have a beer and go on our our ways. Like, it's it looks so fun to me, uh, but like, I I get that there's things going on, and it's 
it's that certain aspect of the own premise that I look at and I, I, I really enjoy as I, those regulars. Yeah. And I was, you know, initially confused by the question when you had asked it back then, because, um, it, it sort of sounded like this fear of missing out thing. I like, I just, I wasn't entirely sure what to make of it. And I, it, what I was, my response was that like, I just, I, I love anyone who comes into the brewery. And then I was starting to understand like, Oh, you meant you wished we could be regulars together yes. at a place like that as well. And yeah, I totally agree. I, I think, you know, especially where we are downtown, we have so many nine to fivers yeah. and I think that's great. And I wish that when I was a nine to fiver, I had a place like that to go. And, and, you know, when I was a nine to fiver, the brewery I ended up working for was only like the second distributing brewery and tap room in the County. So now they're everywhere. There's no shortage of, of choices. You know, we could go anywhere. I, I, yeah. I still think there's room for more. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, it, so it, it took me a minute to understand what you were saying, and it, it almost even came across a little confusing on here. But um, yeah, I, I totally get that, and I would love to have that little neighborhood brew pub right by me. There, there, there are a couple places like right near where I live that I think like have just been these dead spots, the, these cursed locations that you no, know, like like large chains couldn't make it work. And I, I look at it and I'm like fucking brewery would be awesome in there and yeah. if, you know it's the suburbs so i'm sure the you know pta and all them would protest a fucking brewery in the middle of town but um no i i, I wish there was more of it i i every time still in 2020 you see breweries getting ready to open and you hear about these large brew systems and and they're they're planned like we've already got this giant canning line and we're going to take over the world and it's like you're not you know, not that you're necessarily rooting against anyone's success or anything, but I just feel like there's a lot of people looking at what's already big out there and thinking they're just going to come in and replicate it. And I think a lot of people pass up on the value of that own premise thing, just yeah, keeping it in-house and serving it to the same people who are loyal and love you and, and keep coming back for more. I just love it. And feel free for anyone uh, from the area to correct me, but when Mitch Steele left Stone to do New Realm, uh, like they pretty much focused on their their own premise uh, there. Uh, and this is Mitch Steele, one of the most decorated brewers in our industry, and he he I don't think was going out trying to take over the world. Uh, let alone Georgia, um, right from the get-go. I mean, that's you. You have to be like a big, big deal. I feel like to want to jump out of the gates like that in this current market. I mean, there there are some breweries who, uh, like, I'll, I'll be honest. Like when when Copper Tail in Tampa was first opening up, I was very hesitant about their decision to be a fifty-barrel brewery. Uh, right off the off the bat but they went and hired a guy with a lot of talent in Casey Hughes and they're doing awesome there in uh, the little outskirts of Ybor City they're distributing they're doing some they're doing great beers they're packaging their branding their marketing is really good 
they have a uh, an amazing looking uh tap room i mean we've been there a few times before and are always just like amazed by how comfortable it feels there just yeah it has this great aesthetic and vibe going on in there and like they they proved me wrong and and that was five six years ago that uh that was going on and i was already questioning big systems at that point um but it's it's an even more dense and uh overcrowded market now and and being being as own premise as possible is is important. What one thing that I take from uh, from my time in PA is God, there is so much emphasis on your tap rooms and uh mo- and you, multiple tap rooms at that. Like there's a lot of breweries that had multiple locations, um, not necessarily all breweries, but they might have like a a restaurant somewhere. Um, that they bring in their beer because they legally could. Uh, we talked about this a little bit with the pop-up thing uh, a few weeks ago. Right. And uh, that they could transfer beer to their restaurant location that doesn't have, or just a tap room, tasting room location somewhere else. No brew system necessary, but it's their own business, and they can transfer it there with no additional tax. Um, stuff like that, I, I, I think, is incredibly important just to not only to your profit but just to the business because i love still as a, a an employee who has been a person who has been gainfully employed in this industry for a long time i love going to breweries i love sitting in a tasting room tap room brewery setting drinking beers that were made by this company and enjoying my time there I, like i did it today i did it yesterday um and uh, like it's just I don't, I don't think a thing that i'm ever going to truly get sick of even though i i know people when they're in an industry for so long they get kind of sick of the thing that they are doing yeah i still love going to a brewery and and even if it's one that uh i've been to a ton of times i have like four breweries within a pretty close proximity to my house and a couple of them that i can walk to super easily and it's still fun to go to them and be able to have a beer, take my dog, take my fiance, and we could just sit outside and have a beer. And like that, that type of stuff is, is super important to me. And I know it is to a lot of people. So putting emphasis on that, uh, I think should be a person, a brewery's big uh, chunk of their attention. And especially if you're going to be small, which I feel like you should be. Right. And, you know, first, I, it, it's funny to me that we talk about own premise and then you mentioned two giant breweries that distribute and package. Who did um, I mention? Well, oh, New Realm. Like, didn't New, New Realm, Realm yeah. also take over the old uh, oh. uh, Green Flash Virginia location? Uh, they just they just did. But I'm, I was talking about when they first uh, were coming right. off, getting off the ground. It's different now, but. Right. And, you know, they. they had just announced you know some expansion a month ago and that's great and and that's what you know i, sh- I should have mentioned that place on one on the bucket list episode because i and it's not that far like we could drive to atlanta in a day yeah. um less than a day but anyway um yeah i i love going to breweries too and, and if they're one of those own premise spots it, if for some reason it feels like a lot of times breweries because 
you know, a lot of these guys start as home brewers and maybe they scrape the money together or there's a Kickstarter or friends and families or small investors. And sometimes it feels like all the emphasis is put into, you know, getting the big equipment so we can get out in the market and take over the world. And there's less emphasis on the taproom experience. It's just, it's kind of like an add on. It's, it's an extra feature we have if you want to come get it here, but it's not anything amazing. And we've talked about experiences the hundreds of times on here, and we're all about it. So, um, you know, obviously, if you're going to distribute and you're, you're, that's what your goal is, yes, you want, you know, your focus on the equipment, all that shit. Yeah, but um, if you're going to have a tap room, like, don't phone it in. Don't just throw some fucking picnic tables out there and, uh, you know, some cornhole bags and, and think you're good to go. Like... And that's why it feels like with the on-premise places, they've really gone all in on making it comfortable, providing great service, having great beers and food, um, you know, games, like all kinds of stuff that you can do. And it just feels like they're they're going for something different than the bigger distributing regional, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not to say that anyone's doing it better than the other, but... To me, there's just something a little bit more intimate about the own premise brewery. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to give a big shout out here to um, Forest and Main Brewing in Ambler, Pennsylvania. Uh, That brewery, to me, is the epitome of everything that I love about brewing, uh, own premise, uh, like keeping it small, keeping it local. Like these, these folks took a house in Ambler, PA, outside of Philly, and converted it into a brew pub with a pieced-together brew system that's like some old uh, like dairy equipment and making cascales and saisons and hazy IPAs like they do some of the some of the that stuff but they're big their passions are saisons and cascales and they have a restaurant where they use as much local uh, ingredients as possible and change up their menus from time to time based off of the availability and it is just this awesome little spot that you're walking into a house and having a beer having some food and they distribute a keg here and there to somewhere in the 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 city and it's usually like all right like they're they're friends with the bar and they're like you got to come out here to our place and pick it up from us like probably more than 98 percent of their beer is all on premise then they got the space next door to them that allowed them to have more fermentation space and they opened up a a bigger space for like, so that they can have like live music and concerts uh, over there, but you still got the house that is this little six seat bar with hand pumps and six taps and a small curated food menu that is just amazing. Like to me, when I think of own premise, I think of forest in Maine and I just love that place so much and like I, I wish that I could uh create five or six breweries in random and little towns like all they're trying to do is be ambler you've never heard of ambler I guarantee most of these people listening have never heard of ambler and 
that's all they care. They care about their locals and they get people who come and travel from all over to come see them, but they want to take care of Ambler first. And I think that's, that's the epitome of own premise. And that's what I love about those types of breweries. It's amazing. And I, I, it feels like cheers if it had a brew house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I think of some of the guests and some of the regulars and like that. Okay. That one's my norm and that one's my cliff. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) they, I mean, our, I I think I've mentioned it before. Our best regular is a 92 year old who lives across the street. Yeah. Uh, You know, see him every day without fail. Yeah. Cecil's the man. Um, and what's cool is that he's still broadening his horizons. He only drank blonde religiously, and then he moved into IPA, and then he switched over to amber lager. So he's like all over the place now, and it's awesome. And it, it's cool to, you know, you know, we're two years in now, so to have your regulars and have these people change with you and try the new things you're trying – uh, it's awesome. It, it's it, it's like I said, an intimate experience, but it's also back and forth. You know, it, you it's not just you changing. It, it's them as well. Getting excited about new things you're doing, trying different pairings, coming to different events we do. So, it I, I love it. I I would really hope to never get back into and you know nothing against it i know it works for many many people and they love doing Mm -hmm. what they do but i just think this is is the kind of brewing i want to be doing and 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 not to try to like be blowing your spot about where like you personally live but like where you live there's a big population of people out in the western part of the county is like southeastern or southwestern palm beach county and there really isn't a brewery available to like you could go south to or uh to big bear and definitely recommend anyone who is in coral springs go to big bear um it's a great uh establishment uh been around for a long time brew pub but like i uh, with west boca west del rey like how much population lives out there. It's just ripe for the picking for there to be uh, a little like own premise brewery to go out there and be able to serve all those people who might not be like, eh, I don't want to go all the way to prosperity or barrel of monks in East Boca because there are people like that who don't want to travel and they want to have something local and close by. Um, obvious, I mean, obviously there's people like that. So I think there's, there's so, there's always all these breweries popping up and we talked about breweries closing over time. And these are probably people who are opening up in oversaturated markets already as it is, instead of looking at, uh, a market that, uh, is in desperate need of something like that, like where you live. Um, like I, I, I'm lucky that where I live, I can find a few places, uh, very easily. I can walk to one brewery without even crossing a major street. And, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome to me, but there's a lot of people who don't even have the ability to drive to, uh, a brewery within five minutes of them. And I know that, well, I think you're right about it. And I think the locations that were being chosen 
not that long ago when more and more breweries were popping up. I think the mindset was we're in a tourist state. We have a lot of visitors. We want to be right off the highway. We want to be right off the train tracks. We want to be, you know, easily located and, and still, you know, are, some are hard to find, but, you know, and obviously a lot of them are in industrial warehouse type spaces that you're not going to find out in the suburbs, but there are, like I said earlier, there are some spots around here that I was just like, man, if only I could afford to put something in there. And, you know, I, it's weird. Like you, you look at some of these places and you think, God, they'd be so great for a brewery, but you also run that risk of like not anchoring yourself to a location that already has a bunch of other breweries. Cause you want that cross traffic. You know what I mean? Like, it, it seems wise to kind of go to like the brewery district in Boynton Beach or somewhere in West Palm where there's a whole cluster now or, or even parts of Pompano. It, it feels like why not Winwood. go? Yeah, exactly. Great, great uh, reference. Um, and because like we went down there and it's like, oh, we're going to get off the train and we're going to hit, you know, four or five breweries today and it's going to be no problem. We're just going to walk. So you know, it's it's a tough choice to like figure out where you're going to put this little own premise, you know, neighborhood brew pub if you don't even know people are going to come to it. You know, the, the beer fans are going where the beer is and it's risky to be the first one. Yeah, that that's very true. Um, but sometimes there are places where like there is a clamoring for it. Like I still think that it's crazy to this day, like and I'm, I'm being super local right now is. Delray Beach by us is is a huge nightlife type of area and there's still only one brewery in that city like I mean saltwater is are the kings of of Delray and uh rightfully so but I I just think it's so strange that we haven't seen a another brewery open up in a city that has like a such a great little downtown uh filled with great independent uh restaurants bars shops and all of that um yet and i feel like that there is there is space for that and there is a clamoring for that yeah saltwater is not super far away from uh downtown and you can get to it uh very very easily but like out west like like there's there is a need for something like that out there. And there's definitely pockets. I feel like at one point in one of our shows, there was a, a, a statistic that like, like the average person lives within however many either minutes or miles from a brewery. And it was like, Oh, every person lives close to something, but not really every, like you're just, you're, compounding like those uh statistics from like overpopulated areas with like overpopulated brewery areas and that makes that statistic look a little more uh positive but there are huge pockets still in places where a brewery would probably do very well um but who knows it might be like the 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 curse on the, the, the property we've seen properties all over. And I'm sure you, you know, one by your own place that it's like, it has just been so many different things over the years that you're like, Oh, nothing will ever make it there. And on that positive note, (laughs) (laughs) 
but so, yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is a, a kind of a gimme type of uh, topic for people like you and I, because we're such big supporters of the own premise thing. We're, we're big supporters of the brew pub, uh, like market, like, this is this is I think a brewery's bread and butter is to be able to get people in the door and keep them in the door and coming back, uh, bringing friends. Like distribution is a, a completely different beast, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. That uh, like I have positive and negative things to say about the distribution uh, market, and um, uh, I I can and I can see things from a very different perspective on that, but. Uh, where my heart and my passion, and I th- still think that there is the ability to grow in this industry, is being a small, uh, own, strong, own premise brewery in a in a part of town or city or your city that uh, needs something like that. I agree one hundred percent. I hope I can keep this going, whether it's here or maybe one day at my own with you. Or our own, rather. Yeah, uh, that would definitely be a uh, a great thing to accomplish someday. Mike and I are on Venmo. If you're listening, <laughs> uh, yes, feel free to uh, donate. Uh, maybe we'll give some to the show. Uh, <laughs> but before we we wrap up this discussion on this, uh, anything else you want to add in there? Uh, I just want to reiterate, I think, my point that I'm not going to tell anybody how to run their business or anything like that. I just think people really miss out on the value of being own premise and having that intimate experience with their guests and keeping that 100% focus on quality and, and rotation and experimentation and you don't have to try to take over the world. And I think if you're successful enough in an own premise, then you can grow and, and, and get out into the world and not just jump into the market and, and try to get your kegs everywhere. I think, you know, I unfortunately predicted more closures this year. And I feel like some of those things stem from not foreseeing the market changes and the saturation and stuff like that. And I think certain places could have been a little bit more successful had they, kept it a little more, you know, tight knit at home rather than try to take over the state. So, uh, yeah, just, I hope, uh, I hope we see more own premise. I can't wait to go to one locally if someone would open one over here and I will see you there for a beer, Mike, if something gets open. For real. Um, and just to reiterate, so you for the second time mentioned this, and I think that it's an understatement, is the quality aspect of being own premise is that you, if there's an issue with a keg, you can immediately troubleshoot it and see what's the problem as opposed to um, the account telling the distributor who then may or may not relay that information to you super quickly. Um, and then you got to get someone out there uh, to troubleshoot that keg uh, that may need, may or may not need to be returned to the distributor and swapped out for another thing. Like it, it's so much more streamlined when everything is within your four walls. Well, it, it's it's an interesting point to make because 
I and the craft dorks hate when I say things like this, but I always and often argue that the bigger, larger breweries have that hold on quality because they're out there and the product has to be consistent all the time. And they've got labs and centrifuges and, and you know, microscopes everywhere, the, the whole deal. So, you know, I've made that argument before, but at the same time, to focus on quality on the own premise thing where you're not distributing and you're small like me, it's not as laborious to control the quality. You know, it's, it's a lot of sensory. It's a lot of just keeping tabs on things, you know, uh, consistent cleaning schedules, the whole, you know, all that stuff. It's not as laborious as having an entire lab team and, and, you know, facility just for testing all that stuff. So, you know, I think you can have quality on both ends. Uh, it just feels like it's a little bit easier when you're small in yeah. that regard. Yeah. All right. So, um, feel free to join in on the conversation with us on social media and, uh, let us know what you think about the whole own premise uh, type of dealio. So with that, let's head into our last calls. This is the point in the show where we give each other an unspecific amount of time to talk about anything that might be on our minds, uninterrupted, unopposed. And uh, I'll kick things off here by talking about that with the start of a new year, we're almost through the first month of the year. Um, I... I've never been one for resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Um, I like to say that they're a bunch of bullshit for the most part, and it's all about just like your willpower in your own mind. Um, But probably another reason that I think that it's a bunch of bullshit is because I've never been very good at keeping them myself. So I'll go ahead and blame something else for uh, myself not being able to keep up with them. But I am trying to make some change to my life with this particular year 2020 the new decade and trying to be a little more uh creative with this year and setting aside more time to do design work do different artistic creative things uh for myself that things that i have wanted to do and have started on and maybe just given up on or just gotten sidetracked on and finally try to finish off some of those things and spend more time doing things that are truly creative uh, and I'm having a good time doing and less time watching TV. Like I enjoy TV. I really do. I think that there's great television out there that's well-written, well-acted movies and such of like that. I enjoy those mediums. Uh, but uh, I, I want to be able to set aside more time for myself to be able to be creative again. And, and, uh, I think that that's just, I'm, I'm being very personal here and ranting a little bit about just what I want to do with my life. And, uh, I think that other people can maybe take, take a cue and like, if there's something that you've been putting off trying to do for a long time, like, you know, just cut out a few hours of TV, like. Let's not watch TV after a certain time and read a book. I, I have some some great books for brewing that I'm uh, going to be reading. I just started reading Cellarmanship from Patrick O'Neill. That's all about real ale and cask ales. And I got Farmhouse Ales from uh, Phil Markowski that I want to read about, uh, and learn more about Saisons and stuff like that. And this is something that I want to do. And uh, like it, it might not appeal to you by by any stretch but you know it's my fucking last call and uh 
<laughs> I'm just going to I'm going to try to do something with my life a little more creatively this year and I'm looking forward to that. Fucking hey, cheers to that. Mine won't be as positive. I just want to point out something. I don't know where this thing came from. I know everyone is online 24/7 and just looking to be outraged by everything and offended all the time. But you really got to pick your battles. I don't know where this came from. But suddenly, if you don't return your shopping cart to, like, the shopping cart station, you're just a piece of shit. You're irredeemable. And, like, <laughs> really? This this is what we're mad about now? Like, they have people to do that. I, I think this just comes from, like, self-interested people who don't want their little, you know, Mazda dinged on the side of the door. But... Jesus Christ, pick your fucking battles. Like, the more people speak up about this this injustice of leaving your shopping cart, like, yeah, yeah, don't leave it in the middle of the fucking spot. But, like, if you put it safely between spots or, or in front of the little thing, the little cement thing, like, that's fine. This is not something to get worked up about. Why don't you go yell at the asshole who parks in the fire lane to run in for red box or scratch tickets, you know, blocking the fire lane? Or the people who run the stop signs or don't let the pedestrians pass. Like, the more people go off about this shopping cart thing, the more shopping carts I leave everywhere. I might go to the store just to move shopping carts around now. <laughs> Be wary of that, West Boca. <laughs> well, on, uh, on that note... Thanks, everyone, once again for joining us. Um, we will be back with a new mini episode next week and then a brand new main episode where we're going to be finally talking about distribution uh, for real this time uh, in two weeks. Uh, follow us in the meantime on our social media. We're on Twitter at United We Drink, Instagram at United We Drink Pod. We're also on Facebook. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on any of the major podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of those. Buy a shirt, sticker, or button from us uh, or anything else at unitedwedrink.com slash store. Um, for Joel, my name's Mike. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Enjoy Arby's. Anything else you want to add in there? I just, besides a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.